and point to him his mercy shine. The basis of this morning's message is from the gospel just read it to you. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of the heaven? And Jesus took a little child in his arm and said, if one must enter into the kingdom of heaven, one must turn and become a child. Good morning. Grace, peace, and mercy from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is the head of his church. If you ever rented a home and then you owned a home, you know the difference. When you rent a home, you just really don't care much about it. But when you own a home, you are invested much more in it. Uh, I'm sure we're all very familiar with the saying, it must have skin in the game. If it's something that you're vested into, it's something that you care deeply about. And it requires your time, your energy, and even your sacrifices. To be vested into something is to care for something where I must go to work, I must pay money, and I must have skin in the game. It's something that I care deeply about and I'm deeply invested in. It's something that I'm an owner about. I've bought into it. I'm the person who's responsible for it. So I'd like to ask you, what or where are your greatest investment? Are you invested in the stock market? Do you follow the Dow Jones or NASDAQ daily? What about hobbies? You invested into your hobbies or things that you like to do? Fish, collectibles, I don't know. Are you invested into music or sports or arts or hobbies? Or maybe you've bought into your possessions, your house, your pond, a pool. What are those things that you are willing to sacrifice for, that you take time, that you have ownership in, that you spend your blood, sweat, and tears on. Those are things that you are invested in and you have skin in the game with. Who, as we talked about what or where, who is your greatest investment? Which person means the most to you? Which person you're willing to sacrifice for to oversee and to spend your hard work money on? So your children and grandchildren? Are you invested in them? Do you care for them? Do you love them? Yes, even maybe sometimes fret or worry over them. Is it your spouse to care deeply about them, invested for their well-being, willing to spend money and to care for them? You worry over them, you pray for them and concerned about them. Or those you serve, maybe you're in business and your customers are the people that you care about. You're invested in them and you care about them and you have skin in the game, want to make sure they're treated right. Or is it your church family? Do you care about them? Do you weep when they weep? Do you rejoice when they rejoice? Do you know who they are? Do you have skin in the game when it comes to others in the church? Do you know who they are and the joys and the tragedies in your life? Who is your greatest investment? I think for all of us here, we can say the greatest investment is always in people, especially those we're vested in or love. Our children, our grandchildren, our family and friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our investment is never so much in things as it is in people. People we love and care about. We have skin in the game. We're willing to spend money. We're willing to sacrifice, spend hours to go see and visit them to push the relationship. People are things that most of us are invested in and thank God so. Let me go back in time to the movie Mask. So here's a spoiler alert. Come on, the 80s, the mask is about a young man named Rock who suffers from cranium uh, disorder. And you can see his disability. His face is somewhat disfigured. And that's the upper picture. 
And Rock is in junior high school, getting ready to go into high school. And so we all know what it would probably be like to be in a junior high or high school with such a disfigured face. He suffers from a cranium a disorder that um, affects his bone structure. And here to some, there's a rather grotesque appearance, and some people mock him. But below and beneath his disfigured face is a very warm, kind, loving, and intelligent young man who's a joy to be with, whether his peers or those around him. But what makes the movie Mask wonderful is that the movie shows that there's people who are invested in him, namely his mother played by Cher. You see her there with Sam Elliott? And there you see him with his principal. He won a number of academic awards, and there's even a biker gang that's invested in him. They take time and love him and care for him, make sure that he's protected and that he's provided for. They don't baby him, but they're invested in his well-being and love him dearly. And the movie Mask makes that quite clear. In spite of his admiralities on the outside, on the inside they are invested and they care deeply for him. They're invested in people. So likewise, I'd like to share with you another uh, story of investment, but this one is rather an odd investment to have skin in the game for this person. For he was a murderer. He killed people and oversaw people being killed. He was a blasphemer. He rejected Jesus. He's a racist. He thought that his race and his kind was better than others. He hunted people. He was oppressor. He stepped on people who didn't agree with him. He's an arrogant snob, determined, and unrelentless. He was a person that nobody would want to invest in. Maybe he'd be better off if he wasn't on earth. He was definitely uh, someone who we wouldn't look up to. He's somebody that we'd probably prefer be behind bars. But God invested in him. God gave him gifts. He's able to argue and debate. He was a great scholar, tutored by Gamaliel. He knew seven different languages. God gave him passions. He couldn't keep his mouth shut about what he believed in. He's willing to be sacrificed for that. He had talents, very smart and wise, a gifted writer and orator. He had humility because he knew from where he came and the grace that he received. And in the end, God gave him a crown. No, not an earthly crown, but crown of eternal life. God invested in him deeply and dearly. Does anyone know to whom I refer? Who is he? Who is it? Paul. Paul, who was once all these disgusting things, God invested in him, and he became this. It's a story that God had skin in the game, that God bought into who and what he could become by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, after this sermon, the past two services, some people have come up to me and said, well, I can tell you stories how God invested in me with others. So this really is a sermon of investment, of buy-into, of skin in the game, much as we've seen with, with St. Paul. So who is God invested in? And there is a discussion about who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus shares this. He took a little child in his arm and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like, a little, become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. Now the first thing we all hear when we read these verses is we tune it out because we hear little children and we're not little children, so this doesn't pertain to me. But if you look at the words, unless you change and become like little children, unless you and I who are adults become like little children, we can never enter into heaven. Notice we're not called to be childish, 
I hold my breath and I have temper tantrums and I need to be pampered and someone better pay attention to me. We are called to be childlike, totally dependent on people who love and care for us. And Jesus says, if we wish to enter the kingdom of heaven, we adults need to become like children, totally dependent on God. Who's a little child of God? Those who repent of their sins and believe Jesus died for them. And this is to whom Jesus refers to. Unless you turn, you repent of your sins and believe in me and become like a child, you will never enter into the kingdom of God. But for those who do repent and for those who by the power of the Spirit believe, they are children of God and God invests in them. He has skin in the game for them. Well, I shouldn't say just skin in the game. He gave his life for them. And so I want to talk about Jesus, sort of his investor's manual for us who believe. He says, first of all, if anyone receives you and me, they receive Jesus, for they are my children. So anyone, Jesus says, look out for these who believe in me, because when you receive them, you receive me, whoever they are. And then Jesus says this, beware of entrapments, woe to those who lead them to sin. Now there's sort of an odd picture up there. It's sort of like one of these human obstacle courses. Do you ever see them? There are these men and women in super shape who go through these obstacle courses. They get trained, they get bopped in the head, and they fall in the pool. They get bopped in the head, they fall 20 feet to a mat, whatever. And our life is like that as believers. As believers, there's all sorts of entrapments into sin. There's things that lead you and I into sin, and it's all around us, and we need to be careful of it. And Jesus says, for my children who am I invested in, for those who lead people into sin, watch out. It'd be better for them if they had a millstone tied around their neck and thrown where? Into the sea. Do you know in ancient Rome, that when emperors went bad, the citizens would put a millstone, you know what a millstone is, it grinds grain into flour. They put a millstone around their neck, march them through public square with everybody there, and throw them into the sea. I think that's where the idea of cement boots came from. Either way, it's not good. Jesus says if someone causes... One of these little children who I invest in a sin, it'd be better for them if they'd be thrown into the sea with that thing around their neck. Don't do it. Then likewise, Jesus says to those that he invests in, he protects us. He wants us protected, and he says this, for those whom Jesus Christ died for. Be careful if you go to a place that causes your eye to sin. Matter of fact, if your eyes led to sin, I prefer that you do what? Pluck it out, because it's better to go into heaven with one eye then it's a hell of two. And if your hand is going to lead you to touch something that it should not touch or take something it should not take, be better for you to what? Cut off your hand. It's better to go into heaven with one hand than hell of two. If your feet's going to lead you to some place likewise that caused you to sin, cut it off. For those Jesus invested in, he says, woe to those who cause my children to sin and be on the lookout for sinning yourself. His investment manual also says this, there are no unimportant children in my kingdom. Why? Because they have angels who see the Father's face in heaven. Sometimes there's people in the church that, I don't know, we sometimes don't think much of. Maybe they come to church a couple times every couple years. Maybe they're a troublemaker in our school or our class or our Sunday school. You know, there were some Sunday school teachers talking about the ornery kid in their class who always caused troubles. And they looked at the teacher who happened to be teaching that child that year and says, how do you deal with this troublemaker every week? And the teacher said this, 
Well, I forgive all my students every week, so every week they all come in with a clean slate, so I don't know who you're talking about. Everybody is important who is a child of God, including those people who don't serve much, who do much, that don't do much, that sometimes we wonder what they're doing in the kingdom of God. Everyone is important if they're a child of God, including the troublemakers, including people sometimes who maybe don't have the best of manners. There are no unimportant people. And Jesus says this, if they believe in me, they have angels who see God's face. They are important to me. Even on the outside, we might not see them as that important. Then Jesus says this, no effort is too great to search for lost ones. For those who repent and believe in him, even though they drift away, I still care for them, and I'm willing to risk 99 to get them. One of the joys of my ministry was to deal with a person who hadn't been in church for 35 years. They were turned off by their confirmation program. They thought the pastor was too stern and didn't take an interest in them. They felt they had to do certain things in the name of God, and they wandered away, and they came back. Is it okay for me to come back? Yes, it is, because Jesus came to seek and save his sheep. Even if one goes astray, Jesus still risks his life to bring them back who believe in him. People who go astray, they're not important as children of God. Jesus still seeks after them. This is how we are to view them. And finally, Jesus says this, no effort is too great to win one back. So is there a person in the church that you're mad with? Or they're mad at you? Is there an issue going on in the church with people who maybe disagree with you and me? Their Heavenly Father says that person's important to you and me. Go talk to them face to face. Martin Luther says this, Unter vier Augen, under four eyes. Only four eyes. You and I and the person we disagree with or the person that disagrees with us and you and I. Just four eyes. Go talk to that person to win them back. And the key is win them back. Why? Because they're not important. They're a child of God. They're someone who Jesus invests in. Win them back. Win them into a state of grace between you and me. Because these are people who Jesus invests in and we are called to do likewise. And some of us here are blessed because other people have invested in us. I almost think that we should call every church Forgiveness Lutheran Church, where forgiveness abounds, where we're invested in people as Jesus has invested in them. See, forgiveness is like this. Live by it or die by it. This is what Jesus says. This is how my Father will treat you unless you forgive from the heart. Jesus says, if you will not forgive someone from the heart, neither will I, what? Forgive you. How could we not forgive if God has forgiven us all our sins and someone has sinned against me twice? How could we not forgive if God has wiped out hundreds of thousands of debt of sins from us and we can't forgive someone who's sinned against us $5 worth of sin? Forgive as the Father has forgiven you. Those are people that the Father has invested in. Their angels see the face of their Father. Jesus is willing to, sac to leave the 99 to go after them. They are important. Jesus receives them. And we receive them too in the name of Jesus. So Peter asks, How many times am I to forgive my brother or sister? 
10 times, 20 times? Jesus says how many times? Seven times, 77 times. Now, that doesn't mean after time 49, I punch him in the face. Okay, you, this is the 50th time you sinned against me. Now you're going to get it. Seven means wholeness. Jesus says this, how many times am I to forgive someone who sins against me? Seven wholeness times wholeness. Wholeness, wholeness. Completeness, completeness, as I have forgiven you. Why? Because that's a person who Jesus has invested in, just as he invests in us. So we live as people who God invests in, forgiven, redeemed, all important. The Father comes after us. We're all important to him as Jesus died for us. He's bought into us by his son's body and blood. So how about this for a closing thought? Can you read it with me? Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear, oh, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And all God's people say,